Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I am your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MikeFChen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. We are a week away from the second signing day. And therefore, there was a little bit of news on that end. It wasn't huge news, but uh, because I'm a local Illinois guy, Chicago guy, and I actually know this prospect. I've seen this prospect multiple times in Carmine Bastone. Uh, he committed to Northwestern as a preferred walk-on. He had a, I believe he was offered um, at Cornell, uh, initially committed, uh, and then had a change of mind a couple of days later. I think Northwestern came calling and said, hey, we, we want to keep you here, young man. And uh, this is, I think, an important commit for Northwestern because of the fact that uh, they get a guy who obviously is going to qualify, uh, an in-state, a local guy, and uh, a guy that uh, you know can turn into a, a contributor down the line. I've seen Bastone at multiple events here in the uh, fall, and he's a guy that is a, is a try-hard guy. Let's be real here. When I looked at him, uh, I didn't say D1, um, you know, power five more to me, honestly, uh, he was more of a, you know, an FCS guy, but uh, nevertheless, with a little development, uh, with some time, a little bit of strength and conditioning over there at Northwestern, I think that he's got a chance to be a contributor at some point in time during his career. So that's a name you, you might want to, you know, file in the back of your head if you're a Northwestern fan and says, all right, you know, the young man is there. He's going to, you know, like I said, he's not going to most likely make a, an impact right away, could eventually earn a scholarship. But uh, it's it's a nice little get for uh, Pat Fitzgerald. You know, preferred walk-ons, it really is, uh, it's difficult and it's not easy on them. And the reason being is, is uh, they have to battle scholarship guys. Uh, they're paying their way to play. There is no money. Now, Bastone uh, might get some money, you know, through the academic portion of it. But either way, he's not getting a full ride. He, it's not easy. You, know, you see a lot of PWOs ultimately get scholarships after years. Uh, but remember, schools right now only have 85 scholarships, although that number is a little bit fluctuating due to this season and, and COVID-19. Uh, the NCAA has yet to come out and say exactly what the parameters are. But since everyone's getting a free year, I think all of, you know, through this past recruiting class, everyone's getting an extra year. So, uh, you know, guys, are, it's going to be weird for the next three or four years uh, with players you know, having the opportunity to have that extra year. Because if you were a true freshman this year, in the NCAA's eyes, you're a true freshman next year. And all the true freshmen that are coming in right now as 21s, they're all true freshmen too. So technically they're in the same class. So you can conceivably have a freshman class that's 40 to 50 kids. It's a big class. So it's obviously a little bit different. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because you're going to see expanded rosters and there's going to be a difference in college football. I think a lot of uh, you know people 
online especially have wondered you know, what's the easiest way to even the playing field uh, for the past you know 10 years or so you know Alabama's been at the top you know, Clemson's made their run Ohio State's made their run how do you get other teams involved in it you know Oklahoma's made a couple of runs how do you get other teams involved in it and there's some suggestions that you know dropping scholarship limits to 80 from 85 well they've already done that they did that in the 70s it used to be 105 and that still hasn't stopped dynasties uh, i think really what has to do, what has to be done is it's more along the lines of coaching i think you need to hire better coaches I think you have to have better development staffs. I think strength and, strength and conditioning coaches need to be better. That's how you get to the Alabama level. You have to have consistency. There's a reason why Clemson was able to rise up from mediocrity and become an elite team the past 10 years. And that's because Dabo Swinney barely ever had to replace any of his coordinators. Now, just recently, a couple of coordinators have started to go, but really, his coaching staff has been solid. They've been able to work with the young man. They were given, he was given an opportunity by the university to say, hey, go build something. And that needs to happen. That's how you will see an uprising in collegiate football. And also the fact that, uh, Nick Saban will, will ultimately retire. <laughs> Let's be real here. Uh, that man rules the college football world, uh, pretty much uh, recruits the number one class in the country every year. When he's not recruiting the number one class, he's either recruiting the number two class or at lowest, the number five class. It's just so comical to me how, how much talent that, that he can lure to Tuscaloosa every single year. When you see guys that are willing to sit, because remember, Mac Jones was a was a top quarterback, you know, coming in, and what did he have to do? He had to he had to sit behind uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. He had to wait his turn, and yeah, he only played one season, but what a season it was. Although you know he he played bits of last season as well when Tagovailoa got injured, but this was really his his shot, his time. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I don't think Mac Jones can do it. Mac Jones can't do it. Well, Mac Jones did it. And yeah, he did it because of a, a, a supremely impressive supporting cast. You know, Alex Leatherwood and Landon Dickerson on the offensive line. Uh, Nigel Harris in the backfield. Devonta Smith uh, obviously catching passes. I mean, I mean and Jalen Waddle when he was healthy. John Mechie. The list can go on and on. Yeah, he, he had a ton of talent around him. But, again, that's, you know, he, Nick Saban's been able to find guys that will wait their turn. And that's part of it as well. So in order for, for other teams to, to break through into the elites of college football, you have to have some of that. You have to. But uh, I think that, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it, it's not just about, dropping scholarships you know that that to me doesn't make a lot of sense i think what does make sense is to to give coaches longer leashes to let them develop a program and an identity 
just like they did at Clemson. That's that's the plan. That's the only way you're going to do it. All right, some transfer news happening yesterday. The Illini get a Georgia defensive back grad transfer in Prather Hudson. Hudson, a former walk-on, like I just said, preferred walk-on as well, was a big-time special teams performer during his time at Georgia. Uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him as one of the best. I highly doubt that he's really going to do much aside from that in Champaign for Brett Bielema. But uh, the good news is is that you know he's going to be able to uh, come in and, and make an impact, it, it, and it will be a, a good one. Uh, some coaching news uh, that we had as well. Uh, Maryland loses defensive coordinator John Hoke to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, yes, he is going from a defensive coordinator to a position coach. He's going to be their defensive backs coach, but uh, I think that this is a, it's got to be viewed as an upgrade in my estimation for Hoke because uh, anytime you move on uh, from a mid-level Big Ten program to the NFL, yeah, I think that that is a, a solid move in an upward trajectory. Another move for Maryland's staff that uh, should be seen as a, I'd say, a lateral move here, uh, Joker Phillips going to NC State as the wide receivers coach, same exact position that he held at Maryland. Uh, I, I don't know about this one. I think Maryland has uh, established themselves with, some pretty good talent in their wide receiver room, and uh, I, you know, you kind of figured that, you know, Phillips would have liked to potentially stick around and, and see how they turned out. Well, I guess not, because uh, you know, I, 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 if I was Phillips, I'd really like to work with Raheem Jarrett for another three years or two years, depending on Jarrett's plans. So remember, Jarrett was a true freshman this past year, really did good. I mean. The game against Penn State, he scored three touchdowns, just glimpses of what he will be at some point in time. And it just makes, you know, to me, it's like, you know, I think NC State's a decent program. They're a mid-tier ACC program. So that's why I'm saying it's a lateral move here. And uh, I just, to me, I, I don't, I would have stuck around because, you know, you know, when you get to a position like that and you build a nice, a nice room of prospects, you kind of want to see it out. And again, I'm going to go back to Jarrett. You know, Jarrett was a five-star guy. Jarrett's a, you know, a local guy. Yeah, at one point in time committed to LSU. I mean, let's be real here. Jarrett could have went anywhere in the country. But he opted to stay home and play for Maryland. Play for you, Joker Phillips. Play for Mike Loxley as well. Well, I guess Joker Phillips isn't going to see that one through as he's moving on to NC State. Oh, Nebraska. This is not looking good for Scott Frost. Scott Frost saw three contributors and one that uh, was a much maligned contributor enter the transfer portal and pretty much say goodbye and not really leave a, a reason to come back. Quarterback Luke McCaffrey, wide receiver Cade Warner, and center Frank Farnoik. Uh, Farnoik uh, only started one game this past year. That was the one against Ohio State. Uh, Warner, a bit player as well, but the big loss is obviously McCaffrey. Uh, both McCaffreys uh, on the move now as uh, you know, Michigan's McCaffrey. He is on the move as well. Uh, and now Luke. Uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with both McCaffreys. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, obviously, like I talked about before, they are an elite family of athletes. Uh, you know, their brother Christian doing his thing in the NFL, one of the best running backs 
in the league for the Panthers. Uh, but, you know, right now, uh, the younger McCaffreys, they're both in the portal. And this is an interesting development. I wonder if they are going to try and reunite somewhere. Somewhere back closer to home. Home is Colorado. Will they go to the Pac-12 and, uh, you know, maybe go to a school that's closer to home? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but what I do know is both of them are talented. Both of them can play Division One football. Uh, I don't know what Luke is, though. Speak, you know, staying on the Nebraska side of things, I, I don't know what Luke is. Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a quarterback? He's just an athlete right now. He's a guy that goes out there and makes plays. Obviously, uh, you know, split time this year at the quarterback position with Adrian Martinez, but never really could, you know, lure in the job. It never, you know, Scott Frost never said, you know, this is my quarterback going forward. And I think that was part of the reason why Luke McCaffrey opted to leave. Makes sense. You know, if you're not getting the playing time that you feel like you deserve, you're going to enter the portal. Especially this year when everyone who enters the portal is getting that free transfer year. You're not going to have to sit out. You'll be eligible immediately. So we'll see uh, where the McCaffrey brothers go. But uh, this one, the Luke moving on from Nebraska, that really hurts. Really, really. It's a, is, is a big blow to Scott Frost's team. Big blow to Scott Frost's team. All right, we got some news on the basketball side of things, although we didn't see any games yesterday. It's just been so weird. I, I, you know, uh, this year, Mondays have been very quiet in the Big Ten, and, and they decided Tuesdays. They, they, you know, I'm not a big fan of the way that they scheduled this season, uh, having like a, a weird week, you know, bye week, where there's teams that just don't play. Uh, they've rescheduled a couple games this week as well. Uh, I thought that, you know, with some cancellations, et cetera, et cetera. And speaking of cancellations, Michigan State, uh, they're finally getting back on the court this Thursday. However, Gabe Brown and assistant Dane Fife both tested positive yesterday for COVID-19. Remember, uh, Michigan State has been down for a while. Their last game they played was on the 8th of January, almost three weeks ago. And this one, uh, you know, to me is is interesting, uh, especially with what's going on in Ann Arbor, uh, that they've paused the program right now for a couple weeks uh, due to the COVID-19 variant having an outbreak there. Uh, and now Michigan State obviously had their issues but they still intend to play on Thursday against Rutgers. That might be revisited. If another player tests positive between now and when the game is played, if I'm Rutgers, I'm saying no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, similar to what happened uh, to Michigan and Purdue on Friday, where they opted to play after Sasha Stefanovic uh, tested positive on the Purdue side, and they still opted to play. And I don't think this really had anything to do with Michigan shutting their program down for a couple of days or weeks, I'm sorry. But, you know, I wouldn't take any chances here. Not at all. No chances. I'd just say, nah, we're good. You know, this is obviously we're, we're 
this is a trying season. Everyone's trying to get through it, but at this point in time, no, no thanks. I think that at this, you know, at this stage of what we're going through, uh, it's just easier, my estimation, to say, uh, you know, we'll we'll postpone the game and try and make it up at some point in time. That's just me, though. That that really is just me. Sandy Barber, Penn State's athletic director, came out yesterday and spoke to the media, gave a little bit of update on uh, what the uh, time frame for their new coach will be. Obviously, if you remember, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks before the season was started, uh, allegations of Pat Chambers uh, for misconduct, uh, treating one of his players unethically, came out, and he resigned, uh, which told me that the allegations were true. And he didn't want to get dragged through the mud. I'm not sure if Pat Chambers will have a coach again. Uh, if I'm in school uh, right now, he's not even on my list. I'm not even thinking about Pat Chambers. I, I'm, you know, I'm moving on. I, I'm not going to have him. Uh, I'm not even going to consider him. So Barber came out and said that uh, you know they they do have one advantage to the situation, is that the fact that they know that at the end of this season. They need a coach. So they've kind of gotten a head start. They've kind of thrown some feelers out there. They're getting ready to find a coach. And she said that the, uh, you know, that the conclusion of their search should be fairly quick. They should name a coach shortly after the season ends. I think that they're probably, you know, in my estimation, I don't, they're just not, they're not, unless they win the Big Ten tournament, they're not making the NCAA tournament. So uh, as soon as the regular season concludes, they should have a, an agreement with the coach, even if the coach is on a different staff and potentially coaching in the NCAAs. I, I still think they can have an agreement, and uh, you know, that coach will be able to coach until his team is still playing or is done playing. So I think that's very interesting as well. Uh, you know. Barbara does make a good point, though. It is, you know, it is in their best interest to have a search going on right now. They could do everything right now. They have a leg up on other coaches, or I'm sorry, on other teams in their coaching search. So uh, I do think that that is a good positive thing for Penn State, but uh, we'll continue to monitor what they do because, uh, you know, they just came back from their COVID absence last week. And, uh, you know, they've actually played some decent basketball. I think that Penn State, uh, I, I don't think that they're a team going forward that um, is a sleeping giant, per se. But I do think that they're a solid, they could they could put up some solid years. Uh, they could be a pest in the Big Ten. Uh, I, don't like, I don't think they'll ever compete for national championships uh, unless you bring in uh, the right coach who recruits at a high level. But, you know, they're, they're traditionally not a basketball school. Obviously, they're a football school. And if you can get the right guy running the program, you can get 20 win seasons and, and consistently be in the NCAA. So uh, Barber's job is difficult right now uh, because it's a rebuilding job at Penn State. But I, I do think that she's right. She does have a leg up on the other schools that would be conceivably looking for a new coach because Penn State knows they need one. Uh, one last note before I sign off for the morning, and that was the Jerry West semifinalist award. 
that goes out to the best shooting guard out in the country. There were two players from the Big Ten that made their final ten list. Iowa's Joe Wieskamp and Michigan's Franz Wagner. Wagner, uh, his brother, obviously played at Michigan. And, uh, you know, when, when he committed and when he got there, uh, you just didn't know what he was. Uh, Mo obviously ended up playing, you know, he's playing in the NBA and, uh, you know, really carved out himself a pretty solid career at Michigan. Well, Franz uh, wasn't as highly thought of, but he is thriving in Juwan Howard's system. He really is. And, uh, you know, that was, that's, that's something that I will continue to go back and, and say that, you know, Juwan Howard, I wasn't sure if he'd be able to recruit at this, at this level, uh, coming from the Miami Heat. Well, he's sure shown, shown me wrong. He really has. And uh, he's even missed out on some guys like Isaiah Todd, who have ultimately ended up committing and then not actually ending up on campus because Todd uh, opted to go the professional route. Uh, he'll be draft eligible this year, but went the professional route, get paid instead of going to college. Although I would recommend any kid uh, who is in that situation go to college. Do you know why? Because you sign a four-year binding agreement. When you are done with your NBA career, you know what you do? You go back to school. You get that degree. You get that education. Because sports, they don't last long. They don't. You know, you see a lot of guys, uh, you know, they retire in their mid-30s. And then what are you going to do? You got a third of your life done. You still got more than half of it to go. And the right thing to do is to get an education. So get your education. (laughs) That's my PSA for the day. And that will do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Uh, Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm I'm ready to reviews and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great hump day, Big Ten fans. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.